Welcome to episode 27 of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I am your host, Caleb Simmons, and I'm going to be joined by my brother, Josh Simmons, in just a few moments. And we are really excited as we continue in this series that we started a few weeks back. It's called our God series. We've been interviewing a few uh, local and some even not local, well, fairly local tonight that you're going to get to meet. Uh, We are interviewing Mr. Chad Fouts of Smoky Mountain Angler in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and I got to tell you, this is an awesome interview. Chad Fouts is a wealth of knowledge for fly fishing, especially fly fishing in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and doing some floating trips in the Tennessee area as well. So I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. But before we dive into that, I want to let you know, if you haven't yet, make sure to leave us a review on where uh, Apple podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And hey, if you leave us a review, we will read it on our podcast and send you a special gift in the mail. So make sure to go and do that. And if you haven't, as always, go check us out on Instagram, Facebook. And we've also got a new Dads on the Fly email, dadsonthefly at gmail.com. So make sure to go check that out. Send us a message. We love to hear from you. Without further ado, let's dive into our interview in episode 27 of Dads on the Fly. Welcome, everyone, to tonight's episode. We have a special guest from Sevierville, Tennessee, home of Dolly Parton, right? Isn't that where Sevierville is? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Home of Dolly Parton, um, who is now giving away free tuition for anybody who works at Dollywood. So I'm in grad school and I thought about going to get a, uh, like a one day job as a, I don't know, like as a Working lifeguard or something. I, don't know. Or something. I probably wouldn't make a good lifeguard. The dad probably wouldn't be great for that. But, you know, somewhere in Splash Country, right? So we have our man tonight, Chad Fouts. And Chad is the, He's a guide, and I think he said shop manager, correct, Chad? Yes, sir. At Smoky Mountain Angler. Smoky Mountain Angler. And before we get into the episode, where is Smoky Mountain Angler located? So the next time we do have to go to Dollywood, we can find you. Smoky Mountain Angler is located in Gatlinburg on East Park Parkway. Like you're headed towards Cosby? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. So In he, a little shopping center called Winery Square. Sweet. So he manages that fly shop. And he has been guiding there. And so, Chad, first of all, tell us just kind of how you got into fly fishing. I think you told me in the pre-show that you've been fly fishing about 12 years. So I know you also told me you were a Navy brat, so you've probably seen the world. Um, and so how did you get seen, into fly fishing? I have seen a lot of stuff. I've uh, lived a lot of places. Um, never went through a whole cycle of uh, grades in one school. So I grew up doing a lot of bass and saltwater fishing, just conventional gear. Later on in life, though, I happened just upon seeing a video of a man fly fishing. I had no idea what it was. Nobody in my family ever did it. So I was like, I want to do that. Ended up going to get a kit, um, just a cheapo kit and started catching bluegill. Uh, Later on in high school, I ended up graduating about six months early and moving to Gatlinburg to work with the Great Smoky Mountain National Park fishery staff and Mecca of fly fishing. Um, Side story. The very first nice outfit I ever bought, fly rod outfit I ever bought, was actually from Smoky Mountain Angler. Um, So I've I've known that shop a long time. But um, I would work four days a week doing that, and the rest of the time I'd just be fishing constantly. So I was able to learn a lot of water, and the um, 
shocking of the fish and the stream surveys, I got to learn a lot of water and learn where the fish were too, which uh, benefited me in the fishing aspect. <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail about that, but I did mm-hmm. want to hit on it a little bit. Okay. So you, when you went out with say the organization and you were, you were working for, were you working for them or you were interning or how? I was a seasonal, seasonal employee. Okay. For the and Great Smoky Mountain National. Yep. And, and shock fish. Mm-hmm. And is yes, that sir. for research base? How, what is the, Kind of um, stream health that. and population. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you would just kind of check and that would let you know. How, yeah, we'd uh, shock up the fish. Uh, we'd put them in buckets of water with clove oil. Uh, clove oil would knock the fish out and keep them, you know, um, still basically while you were taking your measurements and everything. And uh, then you put them in a fresh bucket of water. And once they kind of snap out of it, you release them back into the river. Is that all in the really cool process? Were you doing that all in the park? Yes, sir. Wow. So all in the park. Mm-hmm. Mostly in Tennessee the whole time or North Carolina as well. We had over. a couple a couple times where we went over to North Carolina side, but it was most mostly mostly the Tennessee side. That's really cool. That that had to be a lot of fun being a young guy and being able to do that. And then like you it said, was. being able to see, all right, I know there's fish here. Like we yep. just sucked them all <laughs> up. Like so I, I did that week say- and then go that weekend and catch some fish. <laughs> I learned real fast that way, really fast that way, where the fish were, where we were shocking them up, shocking them up yeah. at, um, it ended up being a really fun experience that helped me later on with the fishing career. Yeah. Cause I think about that, like now, like there's times we go to rivers or we go to stretches of rivers, like, you know, we don't catch anything or we catch very few fish and there's that wonder of like, okay, are there fish here or are we just not knowing what we're doing? There's a lot of fish here. So yeah. being able to know that, that, that would probably be very, I can just see that being extremely beneficial to the learning process of fly fishing. Like it knowing is. like, okay, I've, I know there's fish here, so I've tried stuff. It's not working. Try something else. Yeah. I can just see that being super. It is, but it is also a double-edged sword. You also know that it could be you. Yeah, exactly. You You find that out real quick. Yeah. So you're going and I'm sure you're probably hiking a good ways in some of these streams like we do in the park and, you know, finding those fish. And you started guiding, I think you told me, for Smoky Mountain Angler, correct? Correct, yes. And uh, a, a lot of your guide trips early on were in the park? That is correct. So we love the park. So you're like, perfect person for us to talk to. That's our favorite favorite thing to do. Even now that we we have have a uh, we still love the park. So, you know, how did you just fall in love with the park like we did? What's your story other than walking around shocking fish? (laughs) The aspect of the park that I liked when I first started fishing with it was um, no one could bother you, honestly. Uh, You could go escape, you could fish all day long, and uh, the world waited for you, honestly. Um, And the fact that we have wild rainbow brook and brown trout, You could go do something different every weekend and with the amount of streams that we had. Um, So when I fished personally, we do a lot of, uh, when I had fished personally in the park, we do a lot of hiking, um, backcountry stuff and things like that. And um, it just, it is a very stunning place. And I don't think I'll ever leave. Yeah. And, and the park so, is just oh sorry no so that, that you just said something you said you don't think you'd ever leave because you said you grew up your your dad was in the navy that's correct mm-hmm. so you've yes. lived i'm sure all over the place a lot of the east a lot of the east coast 
Yeah. A lot so, of the East Coast. Okay. So lot being a lot on the coast, I would figure you'd have fallen in love with catching, you know, big reds striper. and striper yeah. and stuff like that. But but here you yeah. are, like us, loving to catch, you know, a seven inch brook trout in the park. Yeah. So so where do you where do you think, you know, you just gained that love for this area as much as you did for fishing down on the coast? I think it has a hundred percent to do with, I did none of it growing up. Really? It was, it was 100% alien to me mm. and, uh, going and tricking these small fish. Um, sometimes, sometimes nice size fish in the park into eating a little bug that you tied just fascinated me. Yeah. You know, um, later on in life, I started fly fishing for that saltwater stuff and it's just, as, it's just as fun. Yeah. Um, but that's why I definitely stuck with fly fishing and I do fly fishing primarily. I still conventional fish every once in a while, but that's fly nice. fishing definitely is my favorite. So yeah. nine years experience in the park, right? Mm-hmm. You got a personal best fish from the park? Uh, 25 and a half inch brown trout. Wow. That is a large, that is a yep. stunning monster wild yep. brown trout. Wild fish. Wild brown trout off of a little river. A little river in Tennessee. Yep. Fantastic. We've never is, been uh, to the little river. No, we haven't made it to that fishery yet. So we're definitely hoping you need to get to. there soon. Yeah. Is that a pretty, is a large stream? Like, are there larger streams? Let's talk about the Tennessee side versus the North Carolina. We're pretty familiar with the North Carolina side. We, we've, there are streams we haven't fished in North Carolina. Um, like okay. We've not done the Hazel Creek section. We've not gone across and done uh, Eagle Creek across Lake Fontana. Um, yep. We've done a lot we've of the lot other ones. We've done, we've done we do pretty much all the Nolan valley. Creek watershed, all okay. of those places. So. Because we can get it's there similar, pretty quick. Similar to uh, the Conalufty. Um, okay, yeah. Maybe a little, a little bit wider than the Conalufty. Got you. Yep. And would you say that's your favorite stream on the Tennessee side of the park, or do you have some others that you frequent? If I am fishing inside the national park nowadays, it is going to be 99% of the time Little River, okay. just because I know what exists in there. Yeah. And there's a, you know, pretty much I tell people all the time, all the time, the best days to go fish Little River are the absolute nastiest days. Really? Extreme high, extremely high water, raining, just overcast. Awful. That's when the big boys come out to eat. Now, are you See, throwing, are you throwing big buggers for those big boys? Um, or are you throwing still small flies? And- just um, past rubber legs, honestly, uh, tied in a bunch of different weights. Sometimes you'll tie them with, you know, 4.5 mil tungsten bead. And then sometimes you'll tie them and you'll have three beads on them. Yeah. Um, you just, a uh, lot of pats rubber legs. And uh, I've, I've never really done a whole lot of like jig streamer fishing and stuff in the park. Cause I've never really had to. Um, now a few of our guides have had pretty good success this year on little river doing that same thing, nasty days and going in with some streamers. Um, and, uh, I'm definitely going to be giving them a whirl. Yeah, for sure. So little river, we'll just stay on our Tennessee park side of the park theme here. Um, is that, there is a stream that runs right through Gatlinburg, correct? Is is that the, remind me. The West prong of the little pigeon river. Okay, that one goes like right through. Doesn't it like the road divides it right? It like, mm-hmm. Saw people. Yep. It starts up. Going. It starts up in the park, and yeah. then flows all the way down to Severville and meets the uh, and turns into the Little Pigeon eventually. Just okay. the Little Pigeon. And uh, so that one's kind of right there, more in town. If you were vacationing in Gatlinburg, I guess that's an yep. option for people. Um, little River, do you are you out kind of like we do? Are you hiking a couple a mile or so, or is it more? So you can, the good thing about Little River is about the park in general. Most people have this idea that they don't really want to fish roadside 
So they go hike up a bunch and fish and they catch fish and have a blast and it's good fishing up there. Um, but that actually deters a lot of people from fishing roadside. And, uh, there are a lot of times where I have better days driving along little river road, picking a 200 yard stretch of river and fishing than hiking up five miles and, and going back on into little river and fishing. Um, the best, that was the, the better, case here. <laughs> Our problem is when we get out at the roadsides on like deep Creek, there's like 72 tubes and, <laughs> and, and 47 <laughs> campers and splasher. <laughs> I just, I am thankful that we do not have that in gap. Now, in Gatlinburg, we do have a river, um, the middle prong of the Little Pigeon River, that has that problem um, during the summertime. Um, but other than that, that's about it. It's just that one. Um, and Townsend has to deal with the lower Little River with the tube hatch. They're not yeah. usually that far up. Yeah. And then you've also got, uh, I've heard people talk about it, never been there. Abrams Creek is also on the Tennessee side, correct? Is that the one that it is. is more, yeah. uh, what's the loop with the Cage Cove? Is that Cage Cove area or no? That is Cage Cove, correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit. That's a, that's really, that's some really good fishing over there. And it's, it's, it's fished a lot. Like I was saying earlier by those, um, Townsend, Maryville, Knoxville guys, cause it's quicker, easier access. They don't have to come through the craziness of Gatlinburg. Yeah. And, um, so it gets, it gets fished a lot, but it's for a reason. There's some nice rainbows over there. Yeah. So it's just a know, little, it's about an hour, an hour drive without traffic from, for us, for you. Yeah. For us in Gatlinburg and with traffic, summertime traffic, it can take way longer than that. So it's, we don't fish the whole lot during guide season just because of how far it is away. Yeah. So you've got, those are some of the major streams. Um, You know, we have some streams that flow into Fontana. Obviously, you know, this um, in North Carolina, a lot of our like Nolan Creek feeds Fontana. And so, and those are, we have those big streams like Deep Creek's one of the bigger ones. Um, Yep. Are those the major ones we've kind of hit for the Tennessee side for any? So the Tennessee side major ones would be, yeah. West prong of the little pigeon, middle prong of the little pigeon, also known as Greenbrier, little river. And then you have, um, and then you have Abrams Creek. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch more we fish though. You got, there's Cosby Creek. There's Cosby Creek is another big one. Um, and then you also have big Creek is a very underrated one, but that's some pretty good fishing. Is that the same Um, big Creek we have? That's right there on the line. It's yeah. right there on the line. If it's Tennessee, North Carolina, um, that yeah. argument would be listed all day. Technically, yeah. you enter it yeah, through the I've Tennessee fished, side, but I've it is fished it, Big Creek, like right there at Waterville. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yep. and like you know, right there midnight, on the border. You got Midnight Hole up there, and you keep hiking on yep. in. So yeah, I fished that creek. It's a fun creek. It's big it boulders. There's some big boulders in there. <laughs> Just yes, there are and stuff. Um, so uh, you said you you started out guiding just in the park, mm-hmm. and now you guide. I mean, first of all, how many days do you got a year? I mean, you manage the shop, so you don't guide as much as you used to, maybe. So during during the, uh, I definitely don't guide as much as I used to. During, the, I'm pretty much from middle of March all the way to November. I'm seven days a week, um, and that could be four days in the shop, three days guiding, or it could be five days in the shop, two days guiding. Um, so that's where um, I started switching to. I started switching to. Um, float trips just because one, we didn't have a guy that did it and, uh, people always asked about it. So I was like, you know what? Heck, I started off with a little fly craft, a single man fly craft just to, you know, get used to the rivers, float them, fish them, things like that. Then I finally upgraded to a hide XLO profile. And ever since then, I've been pretty much running our, our float trips and all, all my off days from the shop. That's really cool. 
So yeah, we just got a uh, a river rat. Um, Heck yeah! And uh, uh, one of our guys just just ordered one of those actually. Oh awesome! Oh well, he needs yeah. to. Yeah, we're tell him to hit us up. Hit us up. Yeah, we're <laughs> okay. trying to start the river rat fan club for this yeah. area. Um, so we've been out in it uh, a handful of times now, and we're still learning how to work the oars and all that good stuff. But we've really enjoyed. I'm sure you could speak to this as a guide. We've really enjoyed when like Caleb's in the oar seat or I'm in the oar seat, watching the other guy fish and like learning from that experience and just kind of yes. sitting back and relaxing with a cold beverage while the other guy does all the work. You know? <laughs> it, it is um, that there is an aspect of why I like doing floats. And that's, that's one of the reasons um, Two, It's just, you know, being, especially on some of our, our rivers, you don't, there's not as much boat traffic as that, you know, real far East Tennessee up on the South Holston, Watauga. So, um, there are, there are times where you're on that river and you've got two people in the boat and you're fishing for beautiful rainbow trout, brown trout, 14 plus inches. And just, you're the only person there. Only boat in the whole river. That's awesome. And you, you kind of just fish it the way, uh, primarily nymphid or do you get some hatches off during certain times of the year or just for people that may be interested on, in coming to Gatlinburg on vacation yeah. or something, you know, like yeah. what are they looking uh, for on, for our, on our float times? trips, um, on our float trips, specifically the clinch river. Um, it's almost one of those special occasions when a hatch happens, like uh, there hatches, midge hatches are almost always happening there, yeah. but, um, you're not getting the, um, they're not really working for it too much. You know, they're not really targeting, targeting them that much. You can catch one here and there, but uh, not like some other rivers. I have fish that you can throw a lot of, you know, like your sulfurs and your caddises and things like that. Um, the best hatch on the clinch is definitely the black caddis for sure. If you yeah. can, if you get caught in that, you will have a blast. That's but awesome. most of the time it's nymph fishing and, and streamer fishing. That's yep. really cool. Oh, cool. we and love, that is we up uh, the clinch river's up in Knoxville. We love a good streamer bite, so that's always fun for people to know about. If you've not, you know, if, if you've never been fly fishing, I always say, you know, there's I like to think of there's we kind of think of it as three ways. You know, we got our dry dropper stuff we do, and um, then we just totally nymph. I don't euro nymph month. Caleb does a little bit, and so we're mainly dry dropper fishing or like double nymphing. But yep. when you get a streamer day, it's pretty fun, and we've had some that we, it we is like very that. fun. <laughs> Exciting, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's um yeah pretty and in the park man dry dropper that's pretty much ninety nine percent of what what we do most of the year yeah a dry yeah. dropper we most of it. our guides if if our most of our guides have twelve patterns in their box and that's it it's not um, I'm changing the subject a little bit here sorry guys no, it's, uh, it's not about the fly hatch honestly in the national park it's never really been about that I've seen big fish caught on hoppers in the middle of winter time. Wow. Uh, some strange stuff. These fish are real opportunistic feeders. Yeah. They're not going to turn down something if it is natural, natural drift. Yeah. That is so the what, most important thing in the park is, is your presentation. That's what I was going to ask you. So like we were talking before we started recording this podcast, we were laughing about flies and stuff. You whipped out the old tried and true greeny weeny. I mean, it's just a, it's money in the park. I mean, we've always yep. had success with it, but uh, I think that's, I think you just made a really good point. You know, I think especially, I don't know what it is about the park. Um, there's probably some really good reason, but I do feel like if you put something in front of a fish, like you were just saying, naturally, they're going to yep. eat it. Like it's way more yep. about the drift and about the, whether or not you're getting too close to them, 
you know, if you can approach them the right way. Um, I feel like when we do that, the approach is way more important than the fly. So, Correct. I don't know it if has you a lot. That or not. It has, I a hundred percent agree with that. It has a lot to do with, and this is also coming from some of the stuff I learned when I was in working for the park. Yeah. It has a lot to do with our, those small streams have a lot more trout in them than most people think. And these mountains are not young Rocky mountains anymore. So it's getting tough for these mountains to support this large trout population, which is why our trout, you know, you're catching four, five, six, seven, eight, nine inch trout. Um, because there's just not enough food to support that big of a population. And, um, so these fish are not going to turn down a free meal if they, if they find something that looks natural floating down the river. And, um, whereas, uh, I don't know if, um, if you guys have seen in the last couple of years since you've been fishing the park, it's actually, we've actually been catching a lot nicer fish the last couple of years in the park. And it has a lot to do with the spring and the fall high water situations we've been having. Um, it's, it, uh, it's one of those double-edged swords. Again, you yeah. are getting a smaller number of wild born fish last few years because those floods have been destroying it, but it's made for larger fish, less competition. Um, and, uh, it's actually in my opinion, the park has actually been fishing a lot better the last couple of years because you're catching the same number of fish that you normally do. They're just, you know, we're catching them 10, 11, 12, 13 inches now versus those, those real small ones like we've seen before. So it's, it's, um, it has benefited the, the smaller population has benefited, uh, the last few years for sure. Sweet. We're going to take really interesting. We're going to take a break, but I don't want to go off of this because of how much we love the park. So if, uh, if you're going fishing with Chad and you're fishing the park, okay, we want Chad's favorite season to fish the park. And, oh, he had to think about that one. You can see that. Look, maybe he doesn't have one. Or or maybe just your – it doesn't have to be a favorite season, maybe favorite time of year or whatever. And maybe you like them all. But your go-to setup. So if you're taking me in the park, what fly are you putting on the top and what are you dropping at the beginning of the day and then we're going from there? Okay. So favorite – absolute favorite season if i am fishing the national park and i'm pretty sure all of the guides can agree on this all of our guides um is definitely the fall for sure it's definitely the fall um not quite into the brown spawn basically early fall when they're starting to just devour a lot to get ready for it and um i would probably start out the day early in the morning if it's a cooler morning you're gonna definitely be um throwing a double nymph rig with a um, pat's rubber leg usually like a blackened coffee um, that's my, that's my go-to favorite color. You know, a lot of people throw the solid black and the solid brown, but the black and coffee is just, it's just tried and true. It works. And then underneath that, you'll probably end up throwing, um, a size 16 CDC collar, um, jig pheasant tail, um, or just a classic jig pheasant tail with a little orange hot spot. Okay. Nine times out of 10, if you catch a nice brown, it's not usually on a big pat's rubber leg. It's usually on the nymph below it. So, um, we'll do that. And when it starts warming up a bit, you probably will start seeing some, we still have some yellow sallies coming off, but we will, we will start getting into October caddises and we'll start throwing, you know, big orange stimulators. And with, in, in a lot of our guides boxes, like I was talking about earlier, we don't really have a huge selection of nymphs. It's green weenies, pheasant tails, um, some fancy copper johns hair's ears. Um, and you take all those patterns and you throw a flash on them or throw a CDC collar and that's what's in the box. 
we don't get crazy because you don't need to get crazy to catch these fish. Uh, you just have to present it right and know where the fish are, where the fish are. And, um, so you probably throw large orange stimulator or like a yellow Sally pattern and you're going to drop and long drop. We're not doing 12, 13, 14 inch drop. We're usually doing 18, 20 inch drop down to, uh, one of those, one of those nymphs I just listed. That, that is what we love to do. It's a wealth of knowledge right there. That's a wealth of knowledge. And then in the summer, <laughs> go back and listen to this yeah. episode later, take it notes. In the summer, do you, and this knowledge is not just from myself. That's the cool part about being the manager too. Yeah. Is I'm getting, I'm every day I'm getting info from all the other guys too. That's what cool. they caught them on, where they went, all that stuff. So it's, it's, I, I've got more than just my knowledge in here. Um, all of our guides are in here too. And do you get on that terrestrial bite bite in the summer? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. We, we, we got into that last summer, had a yeah, good time with ants. We had a good time with ants last summer. So yep. we were, ants, we uh, beetles, beetles always work. Um, honestly, the last couple of years, the hopper hatch has not been on Tennessee side. Honestly, since the wildfire, the hopper hatch has not really been that really? fantastic. Mm, yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Makes a difference. All right. We're going to take a short break and we will be right back with Mr. Chad Fouts of Smoky Mountain Angler. And we are back with Mr. Chad Fouts of Smoky Mountain Angler. Chad has been awesome. We are learning so much information about uh, fly fishing in the park. And like I said, which is one of our favorite things to do and so uh just want to continue the conversation so um we've been talking a lot about uh you know ways of fishing the park i want to ask you this you take a lot of guide trips into the park i'm assuming is that correct um most of the trips that i am doing i'll do a few in the park now but most of the mm-hmm. trips i am doing is float um, I got you. now we do we probably it's hard to say. I know how many people we took last year in the park. Yeah. We took like 2,700 people last oh, wow. year in the park. Awesome. So, so but you, um, you used to do a lot of those trips there, right? Yeah. What's the yeah. biggest, what's the biggest mistake you see newbies make fly fishing in the park? Not listening to their guide. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm promise uh, the best thing I can, I tell everybody when they come into the shop, if I'm working the shop that day and they're going out with guides and I'm getting them ready to go out their guides is I'm, I just tell them, I just like, Listen to them very yeah. carefully. They will put you on fish. No That's problem. So, so we've been, yeah. this is your part four of our God series with the podcast. And it seems like that's just so consistent across all the guys. <laughs> like it's so funny to me that people would pay a God to take them fishing and then try to act like they know more than the God. Like that's just so ridiculous. Well, especially me. in the park, like you can yeah. go to that water without a God. So if you're going to pay for a God to take you, you want to learn things from the God. That's yeah. what they do every day. Yeah, for sure. I know I do. I go, I travel and I, I get guides usually on the first day I go somewhere new and yeah. I'm just, I suck it all in. <laughs> yeah. That's all we we've talked a lot about that as well. So Chad, you've been in the park, you've been fishing in the park a long time. Uh, you've done personally, I know not necessarily guiding, but personally you've done a lot of overnight fly fishing trips in the park. That's something that Joshua and I are looking at getting into this summer. So what do we need to know before we do that? What do we need to do to prepare to be able to do an overnight trip in the park? We need to go with Chad. So overnight backpacking inside the national park. Um, and, and for fishing, know, for fly fishing. So yeah. Yeah. Fly fishing and um, now it's actually pretty simple. Um, you go to your local uh, 
ranger station or your visitor center, and they usually have a backcountry campsite. There are some that are first come, first serve. You just go. Me personally, I don't want to get up there and find somebody there. So yeah. I like to go to the reserve sites. And you go to your office, you reserve the ones. They got a big old chart of all the different sites you can go to. And uh, it, it really just depends on what you're doing. Like, for instance, what I learned uh, doing backpacking trips on Hazel Creek is if you want to hike up four or five miles to go to one of those uh, back on, those further back sites, super good fishing. You know, you'll catch your typical, you know, nine, 10 inch fish that you can catch, you know, pretty much everywhere in the park. And um, to me, that was a lot of work to catch the same fish I can catch, you know, 25 minutes from my house. Okay, yeah. But uh, um, I definitely learned that honestly, the better fishing that I have found on Hazel Creek is actually the the lower stretch. Yeah closer to the lake for sure. So what do you have if to you're do doing, to be if you're doing something like that? Um, so big bodies of water, like lake, like rivers that are running into your lakes. Uh, you don't necessarily have to hike way up to have, have a lot of fun doing those. Now, when you are doing brookie fishing, I will definitely say this, um, make sure you're not, make sure you're not eating food around your, around your campsite. I know that's like a lot of campers know that, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. No, um, yeah. cause when you're up in that, that far back country Berkey stuff, you will, you are going to 100% see bears. Yeah. 100% see bears. And that's the only, that's the only thing I really ever am concerned with out there. Um, and also, um, invest in a spot. I don't know if you know what a spot is. Um, it's, you yeah, pay, you, you, you pay about? a monthly fee and it's basically a GPS locator. And if you're oh, in yeah. trouble, you can click on it. Um, you just made our wives happier. Hold on. So, yeah. so I <laughs> yeah, was go, looking, go look at it. I'm, I was clear, I'm pretty sure it's called GPS, the spot. Garmin, I was shopping the other day at REI, just screwing around. And they make a one now that'll like send out just a text that, hey, we made it to the site. No worries. Like you can pre-record stuff. Yep. And you just hit a button. Yeah, that, now, they're not cheap, but like it yeah. would just let our no. wives know. And because when you have young kids, they like to know that you're you're going to come back, even though my life yep. insurance policy is really good. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, just it'll send out a pre-recorded, like a pre-sent text. Yeah. Hey, we're here. No worries. Let like you know tomorrow. Like that. That's cool. Yep. And those work pretty yeah, good. The have, technology has gotten great for backpackers. <laughs> that's good. Sweet. So I want to change bring gears. extra rods. Sorry. Bring, bring extra, extra rods. rods. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would that would be terrible to hike in all that way and break your rod tip and. Yep. Just be sitting there camping by yourself for a while. I want to shift gears just a little bit. Okay. Um, and, you know, we, we try to keep these things close. I feel like we are close to an hour. I feel like we could talk to Chad all night here. Yeah, man. Um, but you said you started out learning how to float on a, on a small raft, kind of similar to what we have. Mm-hmm. So I want to take a little bit and see if we can learn, like, what were some things you learned? Cause we're still in that beginning stage. So what were some things you learned early, uh, just in floating rivers or the uh, big lessons that you stuck with you with, with the raft? What I learned is there's not much you have to be scared of, honestly. Um, that's a great answer. That's great. Yeah. There's, there's really Play not for our wives later. Uh, that is, that is, if you are new to floating, I would not go buy a hard boat. Yeah. I would not go buy a hard boat. Heck, even for switching from a raft to a hard boat, there are lots of different things I had to learn. You can't just go down wherever you want. Um, yeah, and uh, with the raft, that was nice. It was uh, I didn't really know that till I had the hard boat because the raft, you know, I could just really go down anything I wanted to. You know, if I got stuck, cool. Sometimes just 
shimmying like that. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we're, we're getting really good at that. <laughs> yeah. um, got that. We'll just scoot now. you off. So um, that's definitely with, if you're beginning, if you're beginning your um, career or um, side, one of the word I'm looking for um, hobby of using a raft or a drift boat, I would definitely start with a raft for sure. Um, you can get a lot of the um, shakes out and, Worst case scenario, you, you you can't figure out how to row. You're just going to float to your takeout, and you'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's perfect. Um, and trust trust when 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 uh, if whitewater rafters tell you not to go down something, trust them. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, gotta, I floated gotta... down. Uh, you know the upper pigeon, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I know so exactly I took what you're I about. took. I took the fly craft down the upper pigeon, like down near Waterville, white, white water rafting water yeah. down the pigeon in my fly craft. That was the absolute worst decision I've so, ever made in my entire life. So are you, t- are you talking about the section right along I 40 right there at the Waterville dam yeah. or the, all the white water where Hartford, Hartford and, all, yeah, that? Hartford yep. and all that is. So I've white water rafted that multiple times. Yep. My one, a good friend of mine, he's got a little inflatable ducky. Yeah. If you went yep. down that, I would, I would struggle going down that in our raft right now. Yeah, I would be scared of a few. Spots. I had, I had a. I honestly, I I know how big those river, river rafts are. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I if if you're gonna go down that one, you're gonna want a full size like Starcraft with a frame. Yeah, I've done that. I've fished that. The reason I fished, I I did that because I fished it before with a buddy who had a raft, and we just wore out smallmouth. Well, it's, I was um, gonna say it's an amazing small grab, amazing smallmouth. smallmouth. Uh, smallmouth fishery, and um, so I did that, and I learned my lesson pretty aren't much. There, aren't um, there some parts? I, I'm of alive, it? so <laughs> <laughs> you made it. Aren't there some parts of it that get calmer though? There are. There's some you, you have your. You can... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay, you have your heart attack moments. Yeah, and then you have your straightaways that let you pull the boat over and dump it out because uh, the flycraft did not have. It wasn't self bailing. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's incredible. Cause I'm just thinking about like going through, like there's, there's two rapids in there that call double reactionary. Like, and I could just imagine going through that on a little flat graph. Like that would be, there's that big sidewinder rapid sitting right there. That it was, it was, uh, I shouldn't, I, I will 100, I don't condone it. I shouldn't yeah. have been doing it. I really shouldn't have. <laughs> Did you catch any fish though? Let's be honest. Oh, uh, no. Oh, In fact, so I lost. Just, I lost gear. Makes even, oh, that makes oh, it worse. No, no, yeah. it was a, it was not a fun day. It was uh, <laughs> not a fun day. Wow, that's wild. That's wild. So are you, uh, are you fishing a lot of tailwater on when your float trips? A lot of tailwaters and then smallmouth floats. Okay. So you do do some smallmouth floats. That's where I was going. Yeah. Do you uh, mm-hmm. target smallies mainly in the summer, fall, or um, springtime? Springtime. Okay. Uh, it basically for. March, April, and May. Um, I I try to take as much smallmouth trips as I can because that's like prime time, especially for um, the little pigeon that runs through Severeville. Um, amazing, amazing smallmouth fish in that time of year. You can catch some really good ones. Um, right, we're gonna have to add. It's one of those. Um, a lot of people. Um, heck, there's tournaments on that river now. Um, it's gained in popularity. But uh, if you've got a boat, you can fish sections that nobody's waiting. 
So it's um and catch a lot of fish. And every once in a while you get surprised with a walleye that's lost. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh yep, right there. And then the French broad, you know, you can't below Douglas Dam. I mean, you can't deny it. I've had I've had days where me and some buddies have gone out there and caught a hundred fish. It's just um how big a river is that? For, for uh, the little has, pigeon or the French broad? Well, either one, but the French broad is kind of what I was asking. Like, is it, you know, our French broad runs right here through Asheville. Is it mm-hmm. comparable it's to similar, that size? It's similar? about the same size, yeah. And yeah, Well, you, through Asheville, no. It's probably twice as big as right through Asheville. Yeah. But once you start getting closer, you know, uh, this way and it starts widening a little bit, um, it's about that. You yep. stripping streamers for smallies mainly? Streamers, poppers, things like that. Crayfish patterns. And if I'm rowing, I'll bring a spinning rod. Nice. So there's some, so unfortunately having a boat, um, not all your buddies know how to row. So, uh, you end up, uh, (laughs) compromising and, uh, end up, you know, I bring a spinning rod and I'll throw spinning gear while I'm in the rower seat. Yeah. Because I don't need to be throwing a streamer over top two people's heads right in the middle of the boat. (laughs) That's a good point. That's awesome, man. So you, those are your mainly fish you're targeting, smallies and, um, and trout. Yes, sir. So we always like to ask all of our guides this question. You've been guiding for nine or so years, fly fishing for 12 mm-hmm. or so years. You said you've been around, I guess, the country, maybe the world. You could tell us if you've – what are some cool trips you've done or other species that you've enjoyed just, you know, on the fly? Okay. Um, this Okay, this one's a good one. Uh, I love bonefish. Absolutely awesome. love bonefish. Wow. Um, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this story. I'm supposed to be going to the Bahamas in May, nice. um, and spend a whole week there bone fishing. Um, I mean, I'll catch whatever's there, but that, our target is bonefish. Um, but my very first trip down to the keys, it was me and two buddies. We stayed in this one tiny little shack right on the ri- right on the ocean awesome. and, uh, one bed, uh, two of us were on the floor <laughs> and, uh, the guy who knew the person that had the shack, um, that's where we ended up staying. And uh, he got the bed. And right, we, we could literally walk right off the beach, walk right to the right, about 200 yards. It's just like, I was just like, why is everybody talking about this being so hard? Um, and the next day is when I learned why. Um, it just, that was a freak. They were just there. We just ended up having a really good time. But um, it's where the old Orvis Bonefish Lodge used to be over in Grassy Key. So um, now I'm pretty sure the place we stayed is now torn down and they're all condos. Yeah. Um, but um, bone fishing is definitely my, if I'm not targeting trout and I'm somewhere, I'm going to be, I'm going to be bonefish, saltwater fishing. Um, I've done striper up in New Hampshire. Um, heck, I've caught uh, tarpon in Puerto Rico. Um, now that was while I was in the Coast Guard. Um, and the cool part about being in the Coast Guard is some of the bases you get to go to, nobody gets to fish them oh, like, wow. unless you're awesome, <laughs> unless yeah. you're on the base. Where were you um, in Puerto Rico? Just random question. Say again. Where were you in Puerto Rico? Uh, um, oh, man. Coast Guard. Uh, the only reason I ask is because I met my wife in Puerto Rico. We were in Aguadilla, and uh, um, definitely was, not there. 
I was on a mission trip and I was also in Ponce de Leon for, I was, I was there for a whole summer. So it was San Juan. Just, San Juan yeah. Right there <laughs> off the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Cool deal. So yeah, right there. That's awesome. I never thought of fishing in Puerto Rico. Who knew they had tarpon in Puerto Rico, huh? It's awesome. Yeah. Good times. So but uh, you met your wife there. I'm sorry. I was, I, I, I had to, Get that out of my head, or it's gonna bug me all night. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, no, my wife is from where I live now, right here in Western okay. North Carolina. She was on a mission trip uh, as a participant, and I was uh, actually leading worship for the mission trip we were on, that I was uh, leading throughout the summer. So I spent the that's summer awesome. in Puerto Rico, and that's kind of how we met. And you know, we've not been back uh, since. We say we always want to go at some point because that's where we met. Now I have now a, you have an even better reason. Now, now I have a species of fish to attack while <laughs> yeah. down there. That's awesome. So that would be fun. <laughs> Um, so you said you spent some time in the Coast Guard. Uh, yep. One would be horrible of us if we didn't thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. For um, that, so awesome. appreciate your service uh, for doing that. Uh, yeah, I was a puddle pirate. Uh, that's okay, man. You were, <laughs> a, lot, you were a lot of a lot of us coasties don't think it counts. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, your dad, though, I mean, he he's a Navy guy, so you know, obviously, big props to him for doing what he he did. And uh, you know, we always like to talk, kind of when we bring this thing to an end. Uh, once again, just thank you for doing all this for us and sitting with us tonight. We always like to say, who are some people that just kind of influenced you? Maybe not in fishing, but just in everything that you've done. You're obviously a very successful guy. You've been guiding now for nine years and you love the outdoors. And so just, uh, you know, we always like to ask that question. Who's somebody that just kind of led you to that? Being Because we think gods are givers, man. We, like, we think gods are just true people who give back. They, yeah. they do that. They give to people and they give knowledge and they give. So you've got to have, I think all guys that we've talked to, they have this talent of just giving of themselves to somebody else. I would honestly, man, there's only, there will only ever be one person um, in my mind. And um, that's definitely going to be definitely, definitely going to be my dad for sure. 100%. Um, you know, and when I was young, you know, you don't realize it. Um, you don't realize it till way later, exactly how much he sacrificed and how much he did for you. And, um, and, um, you know, how much, how much work he actually did to, uh, you know, keep three kids fed by himself. And so it, um, definitely my work ethic came from my dad. There is no, no one will ever change my mind on that. Um, and I wouldn't change it for anything. Honestly, I, I, I got sick with COVID, you know, and I got to the 10 days, honestly, the third day in, I, I could, I couldn't stand not doing something. I couldn't stand not being at work. I couldn't stand not guiding. Uh, it just bugged me. And I definitely, definitely got that from him for sure. Well, we can tell from this episode and just in talking to you, you're definitely a grinder, um, you know, working that much in your shop and guiding. Uh, you're doing good things out there for people, man. And so we want to remind everybody you got, you got, we want to remind everybody if you're in Gatlinburg, smoky mountain angler, go say, Hey to Chad, go check him out. Um, you know, if you're on vacation guys, we got a lot of friends that come up. Um, we got some relatives that come up to Gatlinburg a lot. So, uh, go check Chad out, you know, tell him dad's on the fly sent you and, uh, <laughs> and he'll, uh, He'll take care of you and, and get you hopefully on a, a cool trip in the park or maybe go float a river with him sometime. And, uh, yep. you know, Chad, we can't thank you enough, buddy. We're, we'll definitely, when I come through there, I'll definitely hit you up and maybe we'll get a chance to fish sometime. We, we really appreciate that. I mean, it's um, smally season right around the corner, man. <laughs> it's getting here. <laughs> but, we'll be uh, hitting you up for tips and tricks for sure. If I could, um, 
I just want to say one thing um, to, I want to thank um, Harold and Nancy are the owners of the shop of Smoky Mountain Angler. Oh, sweet. And, you know, nine, 10 years ago when I called them and was like, Hey, do you have a job opening for me? Um, and at the time they technically didn't, um, but they knew me from my great Smoky Mountain National Park fisheries. Um, Cause I always used to visit their shop and buy stuff from them. Um, they were like, yeah. And I moved up here. And ever since then, uh, I would not be here if they did not, uh, if they did not bring me in. And I am super appreciative of that every single day. Big shout out to Harold and Nancy Thompson. Uh, obviously they have a great shop right there. When you got a cool guy like Chad working in it and they've taken you and uh, you've been able to do some cool things, man. So um, like I said, we will, we are planning if we come that way, we want to check your shop out. We'll come meet you in person. Again, and, uh, and thanks for being on Dads on the Fly, buddy. We appreciate you. No problem. Thank you guys for reaching out. Yeah, man. Thanks, Chad. We appreciate it. Chad Fouts with Smoky Mountain Angler. Thanks for being on the podcast. Wow. What an awesome interview with Chad Fouts of Smoky Mountain Angler. Uh, he didn't mention this in the episode, I believe, but if you want a great follow on Instagram, go find him on Instagram at TN on the fly, Tennessee on the fly. Um, I gotta tell you, I've been watching some of his videos online for a while, learning how to tie some flies and he does a great job on there. My favorite thing about this interview with Chad has got to be just his excitement over fly fishing. And we stopped the recording, but then after we stopped our recording for the pod, Chad and I just went on talking for another hour about everything fly fishing related, fishing the park, doing float trips, tying flies. I got to tell you, it was just such a blast, that conversation. Me and my brother were talking the other day, me and Joshua were talking the other day just about how one of the things that we're loving about this podcast is it has given us an opportunity to meet so many awesome people who just love to fish like we do, who love the outdoors, who love what it offers and what it brings. And so we are just excited to continue to learn. I mean, that's what this whole God series has been about, what we can learn from the experts in the industry um, when we ask the right questions. And so I'm so grateful to Chad for his time and for what he did to be able to allow us to learn so much about fly fishing and especially, especially fly fishing in Tennessee and in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. So we are excited. We are going to be wrapping up the God series next week. So make sure to stick around for that. And as always, please, if you haven't yet, share this podcast with a friend. If you got a fly fishing friend, especially if you got a fly fishing friend that's a dad, uh, share this podcast with them. We want to continue to try to get the word out about dads on the fly. We've got some awesome new things coming out of the pipe, so make sure to be listening in, following us on all of our social channels on Instagram and on Facebook. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dads on the Fly. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through the fishing and parenting life on the fly. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Dads on the Fly and shoot us a message as we always love to hear from you. If you are interested in needing Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. Send us a message and we'd be happy to supply you with stickers or t-shirts. If you found this podcast helpful or entertaining, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, tight lines.